Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all around the world, and sometimes I feel led to share stories from my own just uh, spiritual journey and life experiences, professional, personal experiences, all with the goal of helping to empower you to find happiness from within, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your military life, if you're a military spouse like I am, or uh, if you're active duty, um, if you are in the medical sector. Um, I worked previously in the medical sector very briefly, um, but it was a very intense and exciting uh, part of my professional journey uh, right after graduate school with the U.S. Army and Air Force as part of an extended a research project funded through one of the largest research organizations in the United States. Um, I don't even remember applying to it, but because I was a certified group fitness instructor through the gold standard recommended from my undergraduate professor, Dr. Hacker, uh, I believe I got added to a pool and I believe that's how they reached out to me to apply and see if that was something that I would be interested in. And I was selected as one of nine women on the team. We had two that were our direct commanding, I don't wanna say officers, cause they, I don't think they were active duty, but they were civilian workers, Dr. Bruder and uh, Lynn Larson. Uh, Dr. Bruder had her uh, chaplain, ministry, PhD, and uh, she also was an RN, and Lynn Larson um, had her RN professional license, and then there was, um, our team had a variety of professionals, we were all women, (laughs) and um, let's see, Chelsea, she had her master's in public health, or has, I should say, and she's a veteran spouse. And you remember all the other people. Um, Arianne was not in the military, but she's a registered dietitian. Very smart lady. Um, who else was there? Ruth had Ruth had just gotten her bachelor's degree, and she was. I remember she was a competitive swimmer, and. Forgetting what her degree focus was, but she was helping in the front end with scheduling the appointments and whatnot. What our project was is essentially a pilot program. We were, I believe, the 17th location in the world to launch a wellness program where we helped active duty soldiers, uh, retired veterans, and spouses with their wellness. And we essentially performed wellness doctor's appointments inside a gym. We did baseline metabolic testing finding their body fat percentages using the bod pod machines, um, getting their, of course, standardized appointments always have their BMI, their height and weight, waist girth, things of that nature. Um, That's just standardized for all all medical appointments. Uh, But the goal of it was to help improve their overall wellness. Um, We added, towards the end of my contract, a sleep education. Um, we did a whole class nutrition course 
uh, but we had to be careful because there was a different nutrition department. So we were get, giving generalized recommendations, education. And they could also do one-on-one -on -one consultations with us to be coached and educated. Um, trying to think what else we did. Oh, we did submax VO2 testing where um, we had a couple options. They were either on the treadmill and jogging if they were a younger professional and they were, and or not always young, but uh, physically able to jog it. We did submax because we did not have a cardiologist um, on our direct team. Um, although he did have his appointment with me and tested us um, to make sure that we were knowledgeable for all of the soldiers prior to having any of them take appointments with us. So that was, whew, that was nerve-wracking, but he was, he was extremely kind and compassionate, and um, yeah, it was neat to, to do his submax. Um, but essentially, they would wear a mask. We would get their heart rate monitor nice and good and sweaty, and uh, we'd spray it with a bottle if it wasn't getting good, good conduction to get an accurate reading. And then we would take them to whatever their target heart rate zone was. And um, for every individual, every year it changes to 20 minus your age. There are different equations that um, they often use, but usually it's uh, 220 minus your age, minus your resting, and then 55% would be your low end, um, up to 85% on the high end. Um, occasionally there's some research where they will find something that takes you above that for a little bit if you're really into the HIIT workouts and whatnot. But general rule of thumb uh, is the talk test. If you don't want to be like numerically inclined, you can just say a few words during your workout. If you're out of breath and you can't speak at all, you probably need to decrease your intensity a little bit. Um, if you need to, you know, if you can say full sentences and paragraphs and you're talking like I am right now, like I'm walking and talking right now in the woods. This is physical activity for me. This is not exercise for me because I've trained up for this and I've got a probably a 25 pound backpack on, maybe a little bit less than that. I didn't measure it. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, my medical experience. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, you might be teaching in the schools as an educator or maybe you're a principal of schools and you're listening to the show right now because either you saw content from my professional pages or from the Move Happy page or someone sent it your direction and uh, you saw that I at one point was a K through 12 health and fitness teacher. Um, yes, I did teach in every single grade level, including actually pre-K. My student, student teaching experience with Mr. Henry Michelson included preschoolers, and then I substituted for a little bit um, while I was in graduate school my second year um, because the economy was terrible. And um, I did get paid to be a graduate teaching assistant in grad school, but it was only 1025 a month, and I still had to pay some of my student loans that didn't qualify for deferment because I made the choice to go to a private school. And although I uh, did not receive a job after that um, at full time, I was trying my best to make sure that I did my part and be a responsible citizen as best I could. 
still, still working on that. But I have a miracle to share with you guys. If you haven't heard, sometimes when I do these random ones where I'm not interviewing someone else, I go a little bit off bunny trails and share stories because uh, this is my show and I can do whatever I want with it. And if you have your own podcast, you can do that too. Um, but the, the positive um, story that I want to share with you is I was looking a few months ago, uh, right before I got married, and I told my, I think we were engaged at this point, my fiance, I said, I found something strange. I went online to see what my student debt was so I could like, you know, get re responsible with paying things back again after um, being off the grid and having my technologies compromised and having to move a bunch of times because somebody was try trying to take me out of this world. <laughs> so I wasn't able to pay on some of my bills for a little bit, understandably so. Um, but $10,000 of my debt was gone. I expected to owe $10,000 more. So it doesn't report that on the same as my credit report for some reason. However, um, looking on the national student loan website, um, I'm not gonna argue if there are some surprise gifters out there. Um, so I, I appreciate you guys wherever you're at. Anyways, back to the story. So today's focus on the show is I want to I want to share I feel led to talk about leverage and what I mean by leverage is whether you are in you're an adult and you are working in a business whether you are an adult and you are working in a service um, like community service like an educator social worker psychologist you know things of that nature or you're in the military um, whether you are um, in school still, maybe you're a college student, you're listening to the show. I do have a lot of college students that when I was driving for Lyft, uh, we'd get on conversations and they're listening to podcasts and they're all wanting to, you know, get into positivity stuff. So of course it's a natural part of the conversation. Not sure if you're interested, but um, I've got a podcast that's ranked in the top 10% in the world, um, out, ranked out of all categories, um, thanks to some great people out there. I have still have no clue how I'm in the top 10%. I, my downloads don't represent that at all, but apparently you can't look at the, the downloads. There's a bunch of other factors, including the RSS and all these things that I don't really care about. I just think that um, if I'm making a difference in one person's life every day, then that's, that's good for me. If I can make more impact, that's awesome, but um, it, it inspires me when I hear from college students, when I hear from high school students, when I hear from elementary students, or even um, a friend of mine asked me for advice a couple weeks ago on their child that's a third grader because they couldn't get access to a therapist. And by the time they got access, they wanted the initial assessment. They wanted $3,000 up front to work with their three, uh, third grader. And they didn't have the money to pay $3,000 for a 90 minute session. So of course I was like, you're my friend. I'm going to help you out. And we had a conversation and they immediately took action on my advice. And they started talking and following up with further questions of this is what happened. This is, this is the conversation that um, opened up between the two of us. Now I have more concerns and things like that. And, and it's like, it's going to be an ongoing thing because that's my friend. And I would do that for any of my friends. And I want you to also feel listening to this show 
that you have someone that you can reach out to. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's someone in your community that you can reach out to and um, giving it back the same, having someone else to reach out back towards you to check in on you and see how you're doing because there is so much isolation in the world right now and having just a brief moment each day. Maybe it's maybe it's a coworker. Maybe you're in a new job right now because the pandemic completely like flipped your world upside down like I know it did for me. I mean, I had I had just um, started my first Salesforce team. I was training for the first time ever, I had interns um, because I chose to not take business loans out because I took student loans out in 2008, 2004 to 2008. And uh, it's 2022 and the, I still have those student loans because of the career choice that I took in the economy and a variety of factors that I take full responsibility for on my end. Um, but there also are a lot of other millions of people with a lot of student debt. So I decided when I started a business after having five part-time jobs the year after my master's degree and still couldn't pay down my student debt, that working wasn't working and I had to try something different. So I decided that I did not feel trusting in taking loans out. And it's also not really biblical and that's how I lead my faith. Whatever your faith is, I respect yours. Um, In my faith, it speaks about And if you listen to Joel Osteen, um, he's a pretty well-known minister online. Uh, He speaks about you, when you're believing in faith, that you will be a lender and not a borrower. Um, I believe that to be true. And that's not where I'm at yet. But I have been lending my services to friends, family, community members. And it did serve me well when I did get hacked into real bad by professional hackers in 2020. Um... And when there was a hit on my life and there were there were people that stepped up from our country that I didn't even know were there because I met a homeless veteran. So please don't ever judge someone by what they look like, how much money they look like they might have in their bank account. Um, Everybody matters. He was homeless, but he was not helpless. And I want to talk to you about leverage no matter where you're at. It's important to have leverage. It's important to make sure that people know how valuable you are because guess what? They will treat you better when you have a sense of value within yourself. Um, Different examples of having leverage is asking yourself, how can you add value wherever you are at in that moment? I do it in the morning time. Uh, For me, a part of my morning routine, I wake up and I thank the creator of the universe for providing me another day, for providing me air in my lungs. And I say, how can I be of service to you? Who do I need to pay attention to today? Who, how can I add value wherever I am at today? Please lead and guide me. And when I actually focus in and I'm continually in a prayer state, a meditative state of mind throughout my day, those are the better days that I have. And those are the days that I feel like I've served more people. We're all going to be tired by the end of the day, right? We all have 24 hours in the day. But I promise you, if you speak things aloud, it's going to shift your mind to start thinking about others first. 
And there is a law of reciprocity. So when you start asking yourself how you can be of service to others, how you can add value in your workplace, how you can add value in your family, how you can serve in your community, it's not that it's going to go unnoticed. And we, don't, we shouldn't do it to expect people to do something in return that's not really... It's not really good juju. That's not really good for us anyway. Do it without expectation. Um, I hear Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, he talks about that often. Um, and you might like him, you might not. I'll tell you hands down, not knowing how to use different social media platforms in 2018 when I moved across the country besides Facebook um, for starting a business, I learned very quickly from his free information that he released in the world to help people because one of his goals is he wants to dominate and he wants to be the best um, brand educator you know in the world and he wants he, he owns a bunch of businesses um, he shifts his focus often but at that time I had google searched you know social media growth and how do I how do I grow my business online on a budget right those were the kinds of questions that I was asking and I went from 30 hours a week of putting time in while working a full-time job and I cut it down to because I wanted I wanted more time with my family member um, and I also was getting to the point where I wasn't enjoying the work right and <laughs> I mean, how could I be a mental health and happiness advocate if I'm, like, irritated that I'm working too hard on it, right? It was my choice, right? So I, I wanted to get faster at it, and I did. I cut it down to approximately five hours a month, and I 5X'd at that point my production. I've since 10X'd my production, and I don't work as hard on it because I've learned, right? We get faster as we do learn new skills and we condense things. And then when you learn something new, then you can actually teach it to someone else. And in business, I didn't know this, right? Um, but using my, my educational experiences, curriculum development experiences, for example, I was invited. I didn't apply for it. I was invited when I taught in the school district, in Bethel School District, the, the same year I had the five part-time jobs. Someone reached out to someone at Cal Poly State and they reached out to me from my educational email address and said, we would love to invite you to be a part of our Gandhi intensive, I want to say it was called a fellowship. It was a cross-curricular fellowship for curriculum design. They wanted my skills because I have the ability to cross and transfer from domain to domain. If you know how to do that from domain to domain, you are going to dominate wherever you are at. I promise you that. Um, unfortunately, that was the same time I had gotten offered the funded research project and they had, um, I had called Dr. Bruder and she said that, uh, that the program was the, uh, what do you call it? I was a health educator, whatever. It was like a contract, um, contract, uh, pay, uh, paid out contractor, but we weren't 1099. It was a different form that my tax professional had never seen before. Anyways, it's a story for another day. She said that the um, official launch date was going to be the same time, so I had to turn it down because it was not a paid event. Uh, it was a free event. They were going to pay for housing and whatnot, but it told me that somebody saw something within me that I didn't even know about myself. Um, I had to go through the process of getting my principal to evaluate my lesson and this was my first time teaching 
high school in an alternative high school that did not have a gym, that did not have a locker room, and had students that were only there for two and a half hours, because many of them were either pregnant teens, uh, the regular school system just didn't work for them, low-income area. Um, I had to get them motivated, and I couldn't force them, and I would never force anyone anyway, but I couldn't force them to exercise. My goal was my challenge to get them interested in movement. And I only worked there one day a week. The other teacher was there four days a week because she had gotten a 504 plan for herself. And if you're in the educational realm, you know it's similar to an IEP, but it's not quite. And usually it's for students. But she had a great lawyer get her a modified work schedule so because she, she had to have high like, anxiety or whatnot. I don't know exactly what was going on in her life. Um, by the end of the year... I believe there was some jealousy on her end because she thought I was after her job. And unfortunately, I was not. But the principal wanted me there and the students wanted me there. And so he ended up moving to another part of Washington. Uh, but it was a non-continuing contract. Um, and I am happy to say that those students did get up and move. They enjoyed the experience. And I even saw her adapting some of my lessons. So that told me, and she had been teaching longer than me, that maybe I do have some knowledge in my bank. And maybe there's some leverage for me to use in the future. I didn't know exactly the terminology then because I was, I was still building my confidence after working really hard, getting my master's degree, doing my part, being a responsible citizen going and applying for jobs and getting completely burned out with the economy. I didn't know it. I didn't know how to identify that that was happening. Um, but looking back, that's exactly what had happened. And uh, we keep moving forward. We keep learning things, never give up, no matter what. Um, there was there was a brief moment. I had to end my contract early, unfortunately, with with the uh, U.S. military and Air Force. And it's not something that I'm proud about, but it is a part of my story. Um, I, had, I started experiencing some PTSD, some flashbacks from trauma that I experienced in college. I've talked about it a few times on other show episodes. I had written a letter and read it to first Lynn Larson because I felt like I connected with her a little bit better than Dr. Bruder. And then she encouraged me to read it out loud to Dr. Bruder. Um, they hugged me, you know, and they let me off on my contract a little bit early. I still was able to get published twice in the uh, MWR Wellness magazine, uh, once with Chelsea, once by myself. That was a really neat experience, um, as well as just, you know, learning and being a part of a pilot program. It was extremely uncomfortable for me to be in a medical setting, whereas versus it was extremely scheduled working in the school system where I knew what was going on and the training system was like, it was, it was just too much. It was too much for me. And the year prior with the five part-time jobs, it was too much for me. And the, the, the start date kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And so I was losing a lot of trust in the leadership. And then they really didn't agree together as a team. And they worked four day weeks and we would go in one direction when one person was leading. And then we would go in another direction when another person was leading. It's not bad. It's just, learning to shift and you might be laughing right now listening to this and you're like you know I've experienced that in my workplace before it's definitely stressful when you don't know who is who's the captain of the ship for example so anyways having leverage being a part of your journey will add value wherever you're at and it gives you posture so what's coming to me next right now 
is with the economy right now, we are experiencing, not just in the United States, if you're listening in another country, we are experiencing a global shift and awakening. If you haven't heard, lots of people are jumping ship from their jobs. Not a surprise. It's been happening since 2020. Uh, we, we all had to get stuck indoors, right? We all had to make shifts in what our careers were. Uh, some people completely shifted. I know my, um, my direct manager in my day job right now was a professional basketball player. He and I haven't really had a conversation about the shift to being a, ma- um, a manager now in HVAC, but he's in his first year in the industry. So I imagine he's even had a shift in it. What is really important to remember is that nobody knows what you can bring to the table unless you tell them. And they might be open to out-of-the-box thinking right now because a lot of businesses are losing revenue left and right. They don't want to speak about the negativity, but... Everyone is on high edge. I don't know if you noticed, there's a lot more car accidents on the road. People aren't paying so much attention. A lot more anxiety, a lot more unknowns. Nobody wants to go into the shutdown again, but there are certain pockets, even of the big city that I live near, where some people are starting to glove up, mask up. I did, we were at a um, person's house yesterday and we weren't able to actually like be even close to them. They were about 12 feet away in their car. They didn't tell us that they weren't going to be available. They said they had an at-risk person in the vehicle. I asked, do y'all have COVID or do you want us to wear masks? Like, I'm not sure what that means, at-risk person. He didn't answer. He just stayed in his car because they needed the HVAC services done on their machine so badly but they didn't want to miss the appointment because it's our busy season. So I was like, okay, um, no problem. We're going to service the system outside. Um, We will need you to turn the thermostat down on the inside. We just can't inspect anything. Do you have a split system or do you have a package unit? And he was like, we have a package unit. I was like, okay, well, that's good. We don't need to inspect the system inside because it's just a whole unit on the outside of the house. We won't be able to check your ductwork today, um, but typically we do that in the fall or winter anyway. Is that okay with you? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, how do you want us to present the information at the end of the appointment? Do you want us to just leave the ticket like at the door Or he's like, no, if you could call me. I was like, okay, no problem. So um, knowing that information, I reached out to my manager because I'm on the sales side of things. Um, I said, are we, is this an opportunity for me? Do you want me to stay here? I mean, I don't mind staying here, but I really don't feel like this is an opportunity for business for me to make money. And he said, you'd be surprised. We did a lot of sales through Windows during the pandemic. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, people put their credit cards up to the window because they needed the services done. It was actually our greatest growing revenue um, year to date. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, It didn't turn out that way for me, but that's okay. Um, He was not in his house, um, and I don't think he wasn't ready, but we did present him with all the options and informed him of the system's age and concern for carbon monoxide in the home and things of that nature because it was a gas pack. Um, But having that leverage and understanding of, okay, if you're not 
being successful in your position, however you define success in your job, how can you add value to the company so that they don't want to cut you loose, right? Or with the economy right now, everybody's hiring. What could you do to let them know that you don't want to jump ship so that they will want to support you even more? So um, I actually started having some brainstorm ideas this morning and I jotted them down uh, because I am definitely on an Olympic team with a preschool level of experience coming into it. So it's been an extremely intense uh, training, onboarding experience. Uh, and I'm not getting the pay that I was told was so easy to make in that first initial interview. So I'm learning where the gaps and holes are in the business and how I can help add value to fix those gaps or at least provide them with ideas that are out of the box through my curriculum design experience and professional background. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about what that means. So I launched my second business in 2019 called Erin Nicole Media after a few intensive trainings and being dissatisfied that I was building out this heart business, Move Happy, um, which is a longer term life mission. It's definitely never going to go away. This is a legacy business that will stay for generations to come long after I'm off this earth. The second business, though, was to produce some money, um, revenue, cash flow for myself through what is a strong industry thing going on right now. So what it is essentially, I had been to the 10X conference in, I think it was in Miami. I know it was in Florida. Uh, Grant Cardone and Elena hosted it and there was a bunch of speakers and one of those speakers talked about the industry of business. What is the greatest industry to get in right now? Used facts and figures. I trust facts and figures, and I trust people that make a lot of money, right? If I want to make a little bit more money, success leaves clues. And I didn't have enough working full-time and growing my business. I didn't have a lot of time. So I was like, all right, let me try something new. So what I had learned from one of my business coaches, Erin um, Lomanjek, I went to one of her two-day public speaking trainings, and then I was coached under her a few years ago for a brief stint. She said, you don't have to know it all to get money from people. You just have to be a few steps ahead of them on their journey and find out what their goals are, and then you can coach them to get to where you are based on how you learned, if you're a good teacher. So I started thinking about how could I teach people what I had done myself through learning all the different social media platforms speeding up the journey. And I was like, what, do, what can people never get back? Well, they can never get back time. Once it's gone forever, you've lost those moments of opportunities to spend with your grandchildren, to go to your kids' concerts, to go on a walk on the beach with the love of your life. You can never get those times back. So why not help you get more of your time back so that you could do more of what you love? Wouldn't that sound nice? So I designed my social media university intensive with that in mind, saving families, business owners, whoever wants to be a part of the workshop, 1,200 hours a year so you can do more of what you love. I didn't know if it would be successful the first time I did it. 
So I reached out to one of my podcast guests that had believed in me before I launched the show that had street cred. She was on the Steve Harvey show and she was on Mel Robbins show and she's a body language expert. And she and I clicked on the story about child abuse because we both were abused as children. And I wanted to support a fellow sister in the entrepreneur world. And I also wanted to add value to and credibility testimonials to my business. So I told her, I said, your story is so powerful. I've started a new business in social media and I believe more people need to hear your story. Would you be interested in participating in my social media university intensive with the exchange of giving me a testimonial if it adds value to you? She was like, absolutely. When would you like to do it? And I was like, how about in a couple weeks or maybe a month or something like that? Because I didn't want her to feel pressured to do it right then. She's like, okay, no problem. So we scheduled it for sometime like around the 12th of July or something like that. It took me a little bit to get the business licenses uh, because I didn't have a lot of money and uh, I was working full-time at this point, uh, working in downtown for a company called House in their sales department. And I didn't have a lot of PTO available to then call the, I know you have to call the federal government to get an EIN and then and they weren't answering their phone and there was no email available. And there was also the business offices, their hours of availability were when I was working my full day job. So I, it took me a little bit from May, I think I p paid with the money order till first launch of the workshop in July. Um, so be patient with yourself. If you're like, I don't have the time, like I get it, I'm right there with you. But you figure it out, you make it work and you might have to take a sick day or a no pay day. Do what you gotta do if you feel within yourself that this is something that you are called to do. So we, um, we scheduled it for, I wanna say July 12th. And then a couple days before the 4th of July in 2019, she called me, or she texted me. I forget which, she communicated with me. She reached out to me and she says, hey, what are you doing July 4th? And I was like hanging with my family. <laughs> and she's like, do you have any availability to bump up our workshop sooner? And I was like, um, yeah, absolutely. She's like, I just spoke on stage, the same stage as Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, who you told me about, and he motivated me so much. I'm so behind in building my brand. He's like, she's like, I need to start releasing 100 pieces of content a day. Like, I'm on fire right now, but I, I need to learn from you. So it was gonna be, an, we agreed to an hour. <laughs> it ended up being two hours because she was asking so many good questions. And at the end of it, she was like, Aaron, you have so much knowledge. Thank you so much. We did a brain map for her business plan, vision, trajectory, and we also did one for her personal brand as well. Um, and I'm really excited because I get to see her journey still online and now she's leading and facilitating workshops, helping other professionals get onto TV news outlets, helping them with sales. And she's started to create her own additional ways for adding revenue in her family. Um, and I didn't charge her for it because it was the first time I wanted to make sure that it was good. Um, since then, I've been able to coach professional private chefs for celebrities, been able to 
facilitate it for lead architects, uh, CPAs. I have had cross-business domain professionals in Bob Proctor's coaching methods. One of his um, team members took my workshop, was actually paid for from one of my other customers because uh, they were hired part-time to be their content manager. So people were hiring, uh, paying for my workshop for their people to take from me, which I thought was really cool because that was like validating what I'm doing, right? I've raised the prices four times. The creator of the universe gave me a new price and I was blown away because I had never sold anything of my own creation at that level. And I don't even advertise. I took, I, I did one, I think one Instagram ad post, maybe two back in 2019. Um, but the, the payback on paying for the, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't pay. It's, it gets you likes and follows, but I wasn't getting the sales from it. I was getting sale. I got my sale from Twitter, my first one, uh, and ongoing ones. You just you have to try things out. You might not know how or where. Uh, I don't even have a website for it. I did at one point, but I wasn't advertising it because it's not what I enjoy doing. My enjoyment is a variety of things because I am super creative. Music is my joy, but I also love teaching and facilitating and I love bringing people together. That's my, that's my super connector genius skill is bringing people together. That's how I was designed. So you have to figure out what you were designed to do, lean into your strengths and add leverage wherever you're at. So we'll be having a conversation with um, my management this coming week I I checked in um, because there were some inappropriate comments that were made about me to my face and also um, a co-worker presented some sexual inappropriate comments that were said to him about me and so now it's like in my certain role um, it's affecting other people on the team and their morale and so I brought it to their attention and I said hey like I still want to be a part of the team but I'm not feeling successful. I'm not making the money that I'd like to make. Can we have a conversation about options for me to maybe move departments? So they said, yep, no problem. Go ahead and talk this next week. This was on Friday. So towards the end of the day, I was like, ah, we don't need to have a meeting on a Friday right before the weekend. Let's schedule it for maybe next week sometime. So I'm excited because I wrote out some ways through my own creative design ideas of how to add value and revenue to the company so that we can take it from third place in the industry. Supposedly, the CEO had um, done this uh, training and released it to our town hall meeting. Um, Who wants to be third place, right? No, we all want to be first, especially if you live in the United States. So we'll see how that meeting goes. Keep y'all posted. Um, And having leverage means that your job, your day job, is not your only option. Um, I'm grateful for the direct sales company that I had joined after having the five part-time jobs. The year after that, working the military um, for the research project, and then that fall when I had to cut my contract early, I got back into teaching in the school system. I had just gotten married, and I was like, I want to make money from a smartphone. My husband had been 
using a smartphone for long enough and I had met a really cool lady at the fair. I had tried a product or I had won a free product and she asked me if I had ever thought about adding um, different streams of income to my family. And I was like, yes, as a matter of fact, I have. She's like, well, did you know that you can make money from a smartphone? I had never had a smartphone because I was trying to be cost efficient, just like my mom, because we had a single income earner family that I was raised in. Dad was the spender, he was the money maker, and mom was the saver. That worked for their relationship. They were married for 40 years before my dad passed away. So, of course, what makes sense is for me to follow suit in their, not everything, right? Um, but to follow suit in the similar behavior pattern. Only, unfortunately, um, it didn't work out uh, for a variety of reasons. But I decided that I wasn't going to be held back by being cheap anymore because he wasn't allowing me to use his phone. So I said, I'm gonna invest in myself. I'm gonna get a smartphone, add some more opportunities for myself. I started building social friendships. Um, I started learning about business and realized that I had a way to make it in this world without someone that started at that point to make fun of my faith while being drunk. And I don't wanna bash my partner because I made that choice in life, but uh, when you make a commitment to someone and you talk about your faith before you get married and you have a conversation and your dad talks to them about it and your dad gives you the okay and then they say that after they get married, no. They broke the vow. I will not be duped or tricked. My faith is my number one. And we keep moving forward. Everything in life is fixable. Add leverage to your life, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your business revenue, if you're a business leader, whether it's in your school. I remember I was looking through some old photos this morning, some nostalgia, because it's one of my dear friend's birthdays today. And um, I've known her since we were in elementary school. She was actually at a different elementary but because we had an incredible advanced band program with parents that wanted their kids to have opportunities, right? Um, my mom wanted us to have the best musical opportunities even though the neighborhood was voted at one point in my childhood the number one meth labs busted in the United States. We didn't grow up in a safe, healthy neighborhood. Lots of crime on the regular. However, not all people that grow up in rough areas are criminals. And my parents just decided to sacrifice half of their income so that one person could stay at home. Her parents did something similar. Her mom did work in, um, she was a seamstress and whatnot. Her dad was in the military and then he retired and was doing reserves and whatnot. Um, she came from a very high achieving biracial family and we both met through being in the advanced band in the junior high when we weren't in junior high yet. If you add leverage to your school by allowing the top level leaders from the feeder schools to join in to immerse them 
early before they get there, that's going to decrease their anxieties. And if they have depression, it's going to help them ease their depression because they will not be in unknown territory. They will actually know what to expect. And when they go back to their schools for the rest of the day, like we did, they get to have a sense of pride that they got to be with the older students for an hour every day and get special treatment and bus ride. I got to show up late to school and I wasn't in trouble. Do you know how cool that makes you feel? I was going through, personally, my um, father was diagnosed with cancer and our family income went from single income to zero income with lots of medical bills. And it was the first year I was in public school. So you better believe that was a lot of transitions I was going through as a little kid. I was 11 years old and I thought my dad was gonna die. That was high stress. Music and being able to focus on something that gave me hope and joy and collaborative teamwork. I got to practice. He kept us accountable. You better believe our parents had to sign every single week our minutes that we practiced. I think it was 30 minutes a day he required, and he submitted our grades on a weekly basis. Mr. Hoganson did. He was extremely accountable. I learned how to read music, how to sight read music, how to um, make sure I played the flute um, with Natasha, who's my friend. It's her birthday today. And um, he added value to us, and it was reciprocal because he got the top band members to already know what was going on. So he wasn't surprised each year because he already had leaders that he had brought in. And how did he do that? Well, he was a professional touring musician at one point. He went over to Japan, I remember him talking to us about and a few other places with his band. He still performs today, not as much, but he still performs. And I'm hoping that his band joins us in December because that would be freaking cool. Um, but anyways, uh, you can transfer and have leverage and add value from the fun things that you do outside of your job and bring them into your job because guess what? All of us kids got to benefit from it. And our parents had a sense of pride in the roughest neighborhood that you could probably imagine. I'll give you a short story example of what I'm talking about, a kid growing up in a rough neighborhood, especially a girl. I'm 14 years old, a couple years later, I'm getting into jogging. Why? Because I joined the track team, but I was experiencing extreme depression. I didn't talk to anybody for two weeks. Nobody knew what was going on. There was lots of transitions going on in our family. And my abuser was coming home from the military and I thought that I was gonna either get killed or have the beat shit, shit beat out of me, pardon my French, or I didn't know what was going on because I experienced chronic trauma, trauma for two years from three years old to five, or five years old, any and all kinds of trauma. So at 14, it was all coming back to me as my first like PTSD experience. Nobody told me I had PTSD, however, I was able <clears throat> to get some healing, some therapy through music, through performing, through running. I quit the track team. I had never quit anything in my life, but I wasn't doing well and I was doing too much and I was extremely depressed. So my parents gave me the okay because I put way too much pressure on myself. They allowed me to quit 
So then I laser focused in on my studies and I started getting into running because my doctor at this point had lied to my parents telling them that I was willing to try medication when I said I liked, I wanted to talk about other options and he said there were no other options. So um, I liked the feeling from the practice of running in the track for the few weeks that I was a part of it. And so I started getting into running and I'm in my ghetto neighborhood and this is in the afternoon. And I don't say that rudely, there are some areas that are way worse than what I grew up with, but this is just a story from my real life experience. So I hope that you can respect where I'm coming from, right? We all have our own stories. I am 14 years old. I am jogging with headphones in and a car full of gang members with their music blasting really loud rap pulls slowly next to me for a good quarter mile, going about two miles an hour, cat calling, finally gets annoyed that I'm ignoring them, pulls in front of me and slams on their brakes so that I was forced to move across the street, continued to ignore them, but I didn't know if they were gonna gang rape me. And why did my mind go there? Because my neighbor down the street, three houses down, Promise Five Eye, had been gang raped and had a child at 13 years old. That's the rough neighborhood that I grew up in. And she is successful today, and I got to substitute teach with her kid in the class one day randomly. She's okay. She keeps moving forward. Higher crime areas, lower income areas have a lot more sexual violence, um, domestic violence than you could ever imagine if you grew up in nice areas. I think at one point Les Brown said the higher, I think it's one percentage, every time unemployment goes up by one percent, um, there's 10,000 more d domestic violence incidences in the area. You could double check, fact check that for me, but I just remember just in my personal life when I heard that story as an adult and thinking back to my childhood, I was like, that makes sense. So adding leverage to your school system, if you teach in a low socioeconomic area, you're not only positively impacting the children that are in there that can't control where they live, right? Because their parents or the wards of the state that they've been assigned to live in that particular area. But you can step up and be a better teacher, be a better principal, um, or even be a volunteer if you don't work in the schools anymore. Maybe you have been laid off of your job and you're looking for a job and you wanna work with kids, start by volunteering first. They will hire, when there's openings for jobs, the people that already know the job. You gotta think outside of the box if you're struggling right now. I have, I have been having an incredible time talking to myself out loud because I realized that uh, there's someone listening to the show right now that needed to hear about leverage today because you're struggling right now in your walk. You're struggling right now in life. You're having a hard time getting out of bed maybe. Maybe you just got in a really big fight with your wife or your husband or your partner and you're not sure if you guys are gonna be married much longer. I can tell you 100% that everything is fixable. Whether you stay together or whether you separate. You are important, as are they. And I'm praying for you. I'm sending you lots of positive energy and love. And if you didn't get a chance to hear 
the episode right before this, you can skip all the way towards the end, maybe the last like 15 to 20 minutes or so. I released a song that I have been working on. Um, that's a, it's called Can We Be Friends? It's a kind way to break up with someone if they're not treating you at the value that you deserve to be treated. Uh, what inspired that song was dating someone for a very short stint um, after taking a year off of dating to heal from the person before that had tried to kill his mom. And so I wanted to break the cycle because I was like, I do not want to attract any more um, violent people in my life because I'm not going to be associated with anybody that's like that. That's not good. So I need to take ownership and figure out what, what was I doing in my energy, in my space, whatever it was. So I took a year off and that was the most healing time in my life um, to not date and to just focus on contribution. It was the same year that I launched Erin Nicole Ministries, our nonprofit arm for veterans and first responders. And I dated this person very briefly and I could already smell red flags, right, from miles away. Um, but it was, it was uh, something to do to spend time with someone to see if it would work or not. And if it doesn't work, if there was a way to add value to this individual person. Well, I've been having so many supernatural things since I got clear on my mission to help end global suicide that the creator of the universe continues to bring people my way, whether it's through dating, whether it's through marriage, whether it's through content online, whether it's through uh, co-workers that I work with, everywhere is an opportunity for me to add value. And one night um, he had been drinking way too much and he told me that he was thinking about, and I'm sorry if you have kids in the room, you want to pause this, you want to review this and decide as a family if you want to share this with your children. If you're listening to this in your drive time university, pause it right now. I'll give you a second. So he had told me that he had a weapon and he was thinking about, he couldn't stop thinking about blowing his brains out. And this was a veteran and this was someone that was financially successful. He has family that's close by. He's extremely close with his children and grandchildren not that old but he is a little bit older he must have started his family young whatever don't care don't matter age don't mean a thing um when he shared that with me I immediately was concerned for his mental well-being and he said it on two separate occasions to me and his pattern of behavior was to drink every single night at this particular location and so that's why I distanced myself because I was already married to an alcoholic and I wasn't going to do that again. I wasn't going to date someone and waste my time and energy. But I didn't want to just cut ties with him and be rude because I don't want anyone in the world to suffer. So I prayed on it and I asked myself and I asked the creator, how can I help him keep his ego intact? And also respect myself by walking away from this relationship. And I decided to do a coaching approach and, and check in with, with him and ask him how he felt we were doing. Just completely neutral like Switzerland. 
and you might be laughing right now because maybe you're listening in Switzerland. It's a common phrase that I've heard people say in the United States. I don't know where it came from, but anyways, I was neutral. I, I had to be neutral. I could not have any emotions in it because I cared about him and I wanted him to feel that it was his decision. Just like in sales, right? You have to be convincing enough to make them believe that they are the ones deciding to buy from you if you were selling them something. So I asked him, I said, hey, how do you feel like we're doing? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I just want to know, like, from your perspective, like, how do you feel like our relationship is? Because at, at that point, he had asked me to be his girlfriend. And I wasn't happy. <laughs> Um, so he said, honestly, I think I prefer being single. And I was like, oh, okay. It was the easiest breakup ever, right? I was worried so much that he was going to stress about everything. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, well, that sounds good. And over the course of the next few weeks, um, he still, he would text me every night when he would get home, um, because he had a family member that had died in a horrific, extremely horrific, um, accident. And I think it made him feel more safe and secure to check in with me, even though we had decided to break up. Um, I think he didn't really want to break up. I don't know exactly what happened. But um, at one point, a few weeks later, I'm walking in the woods, just like I have been over the course of this. Now we're at about 56 minutes in the recording. Might be a little bit longer with the intro edited later. Um, I always bring my journal with me when I go in the woods because I never know when an idea is gonna come to me for a song or a poem or anything. If I have an idea for business, because when I exercise, that's when I get more endorphins and my brain opens up and there is some natural healing. There is some uh, literature research. Um, I just got the magazine for the special edition from Time where they talk about the power of healing in the woods, in nature. And for me, that's, that's my area. That's like my muse, if you will. And all of a sudden, this melody came to me and these lyrics came to me. And it was, it was like I was solving my own question that I was concerned about with this relationship through music so that I could be kind to him, but I could still get the story out. So it was healing for me to create it. It was extremely fun. And it's also, I think, going to benefit you if you're going through a hard time right now in a relationship and you've made the decision that you need to break up, but you're not sure exactly how to do it. I hope that you enjoy it. Have a listen to yesterday's, um, or I said yesterday's, the, the last episode that was released, which is the Real Entertainment Therapy Experience, um, the official live recording. Listen towards the end where I did the encore. It's the encore song. Um, that's the only place you can find it right now. Uh, we'll eventually get an EP released down the road. I've got over a hundred songs that I'm going to be releasing, and we plan to do uh, we plan to do a variety of things. It might be revenue, or it might be complete generosity and, and a way for me to add business revenue to my nonprofit, so that it's a cyclical long-term continuing legacy nonprofit for our veterans and first responders. I don't know. I, I, I'm still praying on that. I, I pray to the creator before I make any big decisions. I really appreciate you listening to the show today. This has been 
really healing for me just to speak out loud. And I think that's why I've been releasing my own individual shows as of late, uh, because I have been going through an extremely challenging year. Like every year it feels like it's been challenging since I moved across the country. But if it's not challenging, it's not fun, it's not interesting to me. And if it's not a struggle, then somebody else is running my life and I'm not. Um, so I encourage you to get uncomfortable. Set some goals, write them down for yourself. Dream big, imagine a life that you could design yourself and lean into your strengths, how you have been created. Ask yourself, what did people tell me, compliment me on often when I was a little girl or a little boy or a little they them there if you were born with both genitalia and now you're trying to decide which gender to lean towards because you're forced in your country that you live in. Ask yourself what kinds of compliments were given often to you. For me, it was that I brought people together. I was an encourager through my words. And before, I was mute as a child because of the abuse. I didn't speak for quite some time, so my parents were very concerned about me until I think about after five years old when I had my first performance singing in front of 300 people. Uh, music got me out of my anxieties. Um, but I still was able to use my body language and my heart, and I am a woman, and I was a young little girl full of love, and I just wanted to bring people together. And I still do that today. That's why I do all of these events. It's actually very easy for me to bring people together uh, because, and I didn't know this until recently, there was a, I think it's called a PSI, it's a psychological exam that's like standardized across the United States. They might be in other countries as well, but I had taken it a few times for job applications and I got to ride in the car for my day job with our regional manager to our corporate training and he had actually shared our, sco our scores with us, our, sh our areas of strength and our areas of weakness so that he knew how to coach us. And he said, Aaron, your strength, you're, you're extremely persuasive. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and he said, your weakness is flexibility. And I was like, yes, I am. That makes sense because I like to lead. I like to take control if I can. So I'm learning to be more flexible. Um, and I think that's why the creator is allowing me to go through circumstances because when we're building our resiliency muscles, if it's always easy, just like with lifting weights, you're not really improving, right? you have to go through things that are uncomfortable for a little while and then they get easier and then you get better at it and then you can teach someone else and maybe you launch your business through your struggle. I know that uh, I know that that was uh, a lot of what I've done. Not all the things because I'm like super out of the box creative person but anyways ask yourself what was I supposed to do? Who am I? When you know who you are as Bishop T.D. Jakes says you know who you're not and you don't waste your time trying to please other people when you're clear on how you were designed as a human. All right, I love you guys so much. Please, please, please tell someone that you love them today. And if you're, if you're upset with someone, have that conversation with them. Be direct, be kind, and if they don't respond and fix the situation with you, then get a third-party mediator to assist in the situation. It is biblical, but it's also professional. Um, and if it still doesn't get fixed, then you keep going to other leaders to get it fixed, especially if it's in the workplace. We got a, a lot of work conflict 
a lot of domestic issues going on in the world, a lot of high stress. So try your best to speak first to the person, give them an opportunity to correct. If they don't correct it, go to the next level up and keep advocating for yourself. It will be uncomfortable, but I promise you, uh, the company will want to keep you if you are adding value and demonstrating that through leveraging yourself. Um, have options outside of the company if you're concerned that you might lose your job. Um, don't waste the company's time or money or resources by not giving your best. Always give your best, but take care of yourself as well. And giving your best means that you might need to take 30 minutes to do a walking meeting instead of sitting for 90 minutes for an unplanned training that you don't feel you learned or benefited from. Speak up and advocate for yourself and speak in a place where it's going to make sense for the company. With them is your method. What's in it for me? Focus on how it's gonna add revenue to them, how it's gonna benefit them, and I promise they will reciprocate. Have your ask ready if you're struggling right now. That'll help open up some opportunities for promotions, uh, and they might even create new roles for you. That's happened for me pretty much everywhere I go. So I'm super grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this leverage episode, a special episode podcast. And I hope that you do something fun this weekend. I don't know if you hear the little, I think it's cicadas. It might be crickets. I'm not sure. I'm not a entomologist. Although in my first year of teaching, I learned that word from one of my eighth grade students. See, we're all learning all the time. And if you're like, what is that? It's like a bug specialist doctor. She wanted to get her PhD in, and, and I believe I'm saying it right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Shoot me a comment or send me a DM if I'm saying it wrong. All right, love you guys so much. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. Okay, bye.